Dish from Waitrose is an SE Creative Studio production. Book a dream holiday in Western Australia and experience a new level of luxury with Qatar Airways. Discover premium wines in the Margaret River region, where towering forests meet turquoise oceans, and sunny Perth, where you'll enjoy not just fine wine, but fine dining too. But before your adventure begins, savour signature delicacies made with seasonal ingredients on the multiple award-winning Qatar Airways, where you'll experience the exceptional. Visit qatarairways.co.uk slash perth for more information. This podcast may contain some strong language and adult themes. Oh, hello, and welcome to Dish from Waitrose. I'm Nick Grimshaw. And I'm Angela Hartnett. And today, our guest is someone, Ange, that you are a big, big fan of, aren't you? One big of your favourite shows. Amal Rajan is going to be with us in a second. He's done all the jobs, Amal. Of course, he does the Today programme. He's got the Today podcast, which he does with Nick Robinson. Yep. So do you start your day with this man every day? Yes, I do. Talk me through your morning routine. So get up. So my morning routine, well, no, I lie in bed, the alarm goes off. But I've been very good at just having the alarm clock now, so yeah. try and get the phone out of the room. And we purchased a radio. Uh-huh. So now we switch the radio on and we lie in bed listening to a bit of... Um, one extra. Yeah, no. one extra. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even know what no. that is. <laughs> over my head. You get, get the Today programme on a Today programme. And then I put it on my phone and as I get ready around the house, I listen mm-hmm. to it on sort of route. I've only, if I am honest, I only started Radio 4 in halfway through 2023. And what were you listening to? The Today Programme? The Today Programme, Okay, and why yeah. was that? Because I didn't really know what was going on in the world. <laughs> or I knew what was going on in the world, but I was like, why did this start? So yeah. I was like, I just need to have a regular news yeah. intake and not just read things on Twitter. Yes, it's much better than Twitter. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. He was the youngest editor of a national newspaper, right? Have they edited the um, Independent. Independent when he's 29? Yeah. He's an occasional judge on MasterChef. He's been a restaurant critic. Yeah. Which I never knew until I looked into my Amal Rajan history. Notes. Um, he's been the BBC media editor. And of course, he is the host of University Challenge. Before we get Amal in, let's speak to Liz, who has been on in lovely Suffolk. Liz says, Hi, Angela and Nick. Love listening to Dish. Your funny banter and how you make all your guests feel so at ease. Please can I come, if you want, Liz, get her in. My other half, Mick, keeps going on about how I should use anchovies in my cooking, but as I think they must taste of fish, I'm failing his request miserably. First of all, some stuff to unpack there. Why is Mick in control of what Liz does in the kitchen? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's our podcast, though. No, it I might be a different... You know, we could sideline into that if you want. This is a, it's a big question. Could you explain why anchovies are so popular and suggest some uses, please? And They're popular because they're delicious. Of course. Yummy. I love them. Well, this them is your di- or was your dilemma with me. She didn't like anchovies. Did no, they? he didn't. And yes. I said he must try it and yes. keep forcing it until you like it. Yeah. Some things you're... So is that your suggestion? Just keep forcing it. Yeah, keep yeah. trying it. Like mm. I, when I was little, wanted olives because Max and Susanna on Brookside had them okay. and I thought they were posh. Yeah. So I just forced myself to like olives because I thought they were adult things. Mm. Same with anchovies, same with dark chocolate, same with black coffee. Yeah. Just stick at it. <laughs> stick at it. You'll like stick it. Stick at your habit and day. you'll be fine. And yeah. you'll like it. But anchovies, do you know what I did? I made a chicken soup, like mm. a chicken broth, in a separate pan. Yeah. Some really thinly sliced fennel on a mandolin, chopped celery, preserved lemons and anchovies. Yeah. And once the anchovies like melt down into nothing, put like that sort of 
anchovy, lemony, fennelly, celery stuff in with the chicken stock. Yeah. And it was banging. It's the unami <laughs> thing of it, and it's the saltiness of the it. The saltiness. And mm. the thing is, like you say, people don't realise, like last year I was away with my brother, but he admitted recently his conversion to anchovies, because I hate to admit it, I'd walk past him, he was cooking this tomato sauce, I said, put anchovies in it. And he did, begrudgingly, and then said it was the most delicious tomato sauce mm. he's ever made. And he goes, now he puts anchovies in anything. I said, but the thing is, Michael, you've been eating them all your life. I've been putting anchovies <laughs> in everything. I said, but because no one... Yeah, you know, you just... Because it's one of those things. It's like a Parmesan rind. Yeah. You know, it's like a pork sausage. So you won't taste fishiness. That's no. what she needs to realise. I would say, Liz, make a simple tomato sauce, yeah. put a small little few anchovies in there and then taste it. And, see and would you, you put like them it. in at the beginning, before the tomatoes, or at the end? I put them in at the end, just before. Whereas I put the pasta down, I put my anchovies in the tomato sauce, and then by the time the pasta's ready, they've melted into the sauce. Oh, yeah, yum. And buy the brown ones, because you may be trying the sort of cured white ones, and oh, you might yeah. not like those, but buy the brown ones. They're the best ones for cooking down. All right, there you go, Liz. Get on that anchovy train. If, like Liz, you want to send us an email, you can whenever you want. Dish at waitrose.co.uk is the way to do it. Let's get a mole in, shall we? Yes. Start for 10. Can you name the UK's longest and trickiest quiz show? Well, you don't need to because we have the presenter right here, everybody. Yeah. It's a mole Rajan, everyone. Hey. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. How are you? I mean, I hope never to lose that sense of excitement when you get put in a cab, <laughs> sent somewhere, and given a pina colada at 10.30 in the morning. <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I think, you know, as a pina colada obsessive, I don't think I've ever had one at 10.30. Of all the drinks, quite breakfasty. It's, it's, very, yeah, it's like basically a smoothie, smoothie isn't it? <laughs> probiotic. Yeah. Probiotic, yeah. Good gut health. Um, Amol, how are you? I'm absolutely fantastic. I'm genuinely... Most people who come on this podcast probably say they listen to it all the time and they're lying. I actually do listen to this podcast. And I'm slightly like, are you sure that I'm big enough to be here? Oh, sure. like, yes. I mean, like, oh, I mean seriously, I just listened. The most recent one I listened to is Gordon. And he's a sort of food god. And well, yeah, you're a great yeah. mate and mentor. And this is like, this is the podcast. I am completely humbled. And I'm obviously a massive foodie and I obviously work in broadcasting. So I, like, the idea of getting to know you guys better, it's, it's exciting. And oh, I've God. slept. I've slept for the he first slept. time in weeks. Yeah. Which, is, which when you work on the Today programme and you set your alarm clock for three o'clock, which is like there's these little devils on your phone. Yes. Oh, three o'clock. And when you've got four young kids, I tell you what, to have slept feels... Amazing. Well, I have to say, I thought, okay, we'll see him all later. I switched on my radio this morning as I was doing my... I thought, where is he? Oh, no, sorry. I thought he might have done at least a morning's time. work before I fed him. I mean, come if, on, part-time if I'd today. Done, if I'd done... We're recording this in the morning. If I'd yeah. done this morning, I You'd would just be dead by now. <laughs> yeah. More or, into or in it. Bed. No, I'm doing not, tomorrow. I'm doing, I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah, uh -huh. Do you listen? You don't? Do you I listen? do, yeah. genuinely. Yeah, no, I'm a big really? fan. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Because I don't. Because, yeah, you say, well, I don't listen to this, so we're in the same room. <laughs> we're both faking Marvelous. it. Yeah, but I think you don't want to listen to it. When I worked at Radio 1, I wouldn't listen to Radio 1 when I got home. Yeah. Because I'd think, it was just reminding me of work. So I'd mm, be like, exactly. oh, I know, the news is coming. Yeah. So but I guess also, you can't, but also can isn't you? there a real thing, which I know is probably a terrible thing to say, which is at the moment, and I know, you know, we've got to do it because it's grim, but there's a lot of grim stuff around, mm. you know. It's really hardcore. And yeah. this morning as I was trying to shovel Weetabix into my children and give them a vaguely healthy breakfast, you put on the news and it's like, it's not nice. You know, yeah. it's really intense stuff. And I totally understand why a lot of people, and there are solutions for this, but a lot of people just like, rather listen to music. And it's really interesting at the weekend, I listen to Radio 1 or I listen yeah. to 6 Music. 
I'm just happier. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm just yeah. like, I just feel good about the world. And I think it is actually a genuine, interesting challenge. Because we've got, you know, if there's a war mm. on, you've got to, mm. that's, that's what's on. You've got to tell people about it. But it is an interesting thing of how can you try to make the world of news less down. Yeah. And I'm a sort of generally up sort of person. And I think if you could try to make news real, it's the stuff that's happening, but make it a bit more upbeat, I think people would thank you for it. Yeah. Cheers. Oh, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Here we go. We should, we should do... I'm giving a sermon already. This is amazing. We should definitely have Pina Collards on the Today programme. 100% you and Nick Robinson. So we read in your email that you love rum. Doesn't everyone love rum? Absolutely I mean, delicious. Rum, it's just basically sugar water. And I've got, as I'm sure we talk about, I've got a big, big, big Caribbean thing in my life. I grew up around Caribbean people. So anything that makes me think of the Caribbean as a pina colada does, makes me happy. But it's also just, it's nice to have a drink that's sweet. Mm. I just, I've got a massive mm. sweet. It's basically like a sort of milky... Dessert. Dessert. Yeah. And uh, it's not very good for your waistline. You have to invest in this because yes. it is thick. So you've yeah. got to take your time. You can take your time. And I feel yeah. like you kind of feel like you're basically just having a tropical drink. You still yeah. forget about the rum. The rum is disguised. Yes. But you know how smell just transports you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I smell a pina colada and I'm on a beach. Mm. I love the way you've closed your eyes. You're there. He's you're there. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, why well, not? You get that when you smell something, don't you? Oh, Oh, yeah, definitely. But, um, you know, I mean, your history, where you're back, where your parents are from, I, f I find that about India with every sense. Like when I go, when I've been to India, the smell, the sound, the sights you mm -hmm. see, all your senses more than any country I've been to are awakened by Have the culture. Have you spent a lot of time there? there? Been cooking out there and just, you know, could never cross the road and still can't over there. You know, it's madness. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> the thing that's amazing about India is it, it is, it really is like 50 different countries yeah. in one. And my, Mum and dad, who had an arranged marriage and who would have yeah. you know, never met each other before the moment they walked into a room and they were going to get married. They're from two completely different cultures. Yeah. And people think of, you know, having Indian parents as like one kind of grouping. My dad's from Tamil Nadu in the southeast. And that cuisine, mm. which is dosa, idli, it's almost quite Korean, hot, yeah. sour taste, sambar, yeah. you know, rasam, that sort of thing. It's completely different to where my mum's from, which is West India, which is like curries and a lot more like the sort of curry houses you get in Brick Lane or yeah, yeah. Bolty houses in Birmingham. So India's got like so many different cuisines. Yeah, it's a it's, melting pot, isn't yeah. it? Literally. Yeah. So people think about going for a curry and it's like, what kind of curry? What you know? kind? Lots what of different types. But I mean, I don't know if I'm say this, but I think the Dishoom chain is amazing. Yeah, it you is. Know, you go there and it's like they properly make you feel like you've closed your eyes and transported you to yeah. India and they've got that kind of street food vibe. Yeah, mm -hmm. And if I was going to have a last meal, it would be, I don't know what I said in the email, but I think it would be somewhere between Caribbean and Indian cuisine because yeah. it's, it's yeah. amazing, that stuff. Yeah, it's beautiful. Delicious. Tasty. God, I feel delicious. like we've already got to deliver now on the camera. Yeah, I know, yeah, good. No pressure, and <laughs> No pressure. By the way, if you want to try this pina colada, you can get the full recipe on waitrose.com forward slash dish recipes, but it is uh, super sweet, large pineapple, golden rum, coconut cream, pineapple juice, sugar syrup, and some ice blended. And Gorgeous. that is how Gorgeous. you do it. Lovely. Easy as that. Now, I really love, Jamal, that you are one of those people that loves all food. I was just saying before you came into Angela, I hate when someone's like, oh, I hate peas. Who does like, that? Shut up. <laughs> it's like you're not severed anymore. Yeah, just yeah. eat it. I hate that. And I hate... It's the worst thing about kids when they're fussy <laughs> eaters. So, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want fish and chips, I want pasta. Shut up, it's Friday, you're having fish, yeah, do you know exactly, what I mean? Yeah. So I hate fussy eaters, mm -hmm. and basically, I could eat anything. And you have four 
Do you think they ever gang up on you and think, let's really take mum and dad for a <laughs> exactly, ride? Yeah. Well, one of them's eight weeks old, so if she... Oh, <laughs> she's very... She's a mastermind. Yeah, I mean, I think she's going that way, but... So, no, she's I'm, the ringleader. She's yeah. the ringleader. Now, I've got, you know, like, my kids got very distinct personalities, and I, I don't want to drop any of them in it, but anyway, the eldest daughter is... <laughs> she is... She's called Jamaica, because we've got a big yeah. Caribbean thing going on. My son's Winston. She's terrifying. Like, she is really, really scary. She's got more personality than Donald Trump, and I mean that in a bad way. Like, she's pretty much the only person I've ever met that I'm genuinely scared of. And the thing that's so terrifying is you come in, you come in after you've been away or whatever, you've gone yeah. to work, you come in, you're full of energy, and she just gives you this evil eye. She's like... <laughs> I'm like, what have I done wrong? And she's like, why were you away? Yes. I'm like, for a four-year-old, that's a bit much. Yeah. Sort of so I think she's testing it. I think the yeah, way it's going to work out, it. I think she's going to be the ringleader. Mm. I think she might be in prison by the time she's 18. <laughs> and, I think, and I think everyone else is going to basically dance to her tune. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other ones are too little. Winston, yeah. the boy, he's just going to have to deal with his younger sisters, you know. Yeah. But, I'm terrified of them. It's a lot of people. It's Four kids, isn't it? It's a, lot yeah. it's a lot of people. So every tea you're going to have it in the future, table for six. That's like a massive that's a party. And then, and then the cars. And then <laughs> and the cars. How do you get up in the morning without like waking four kids up at three? Well, obviously, we've got the newborn in bed with us now, right. which okay. is not great. I actually should try and sleep on the sofa so yeah. that when my alarm goes off, I don't wake up my wife. But I, this is a terrible thing to say, but I don't sleep well if I'm not next to my wife. It's oh, <laughs> a lovely thing to I say. Really, I really, really oh. I do. I had, this, I had this big thing before I did the first time I went on the show program. I had a massive, massive panic attack. And it, it was, it's weird because it wasn't really about doing the Today program. It was just like the need to sleep. And it yeah. really, I got more and more wound up. I did that terrible thing of when you have to wake up at three o'clock, don't go to bed early. Make it a big deal that you're going to bed early. Just treat it like a normal night yeah. and just get up a little bit earlier. But I went to bed at seven and I got more and more kind of panicked. Eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. I think I might have listened to Dish actually. Knocked him right yeah, out. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and after that I was fine. And after that I was totally fine. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um, but I just, and my wife was amazing about it. And now if I sleep next to her and our little newborn baby daughter, Nesta, I feel like I'm going to get some sleep. So yeah. my alarm is set for three o'clock, but I did, yes, last week, I did do the Today programme on a complete all-nighter. I just right, didn't sleep. Yeah. And it was 1.30 in the morning and I was just I was just winding myself and I was like, I'm just going to go into the office. Yeah. And that is actually not good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in a way. I mean, yeah. I mean, in general, I get two or three hours sleep and I don't recommend it. <laughs> I really... I really, I don't recommend really it. Really bad I mean, lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. I reckon. And then do you do a nap in the day, like when you come home from that? Or are you just have to. powering through? No, no, I have to. So that was a deal with my wonderful wife. She said you could do this as long as you're not a complete zombie in the afternoon. Mm. So I try and race back. And there's something about, if I can get into bed for 10 in the morning, mm -hmm. yeah. I know I sleep with confidence. And yeah. I know I can be like, I can have a couple of hours. And then basically I'm just dicking about on my phone. Yeah. Because yeah. these days, I mean, you must be on I'm your phone. so... Bad. Really? Uh, getting into bed. And then like, there's an right, hour just disappearing. It's like 10 and then 1.30 I'm like watching But what someone, are you like, doing in that time? Just like watching someone like, I don't know, paint a plant pot. Or <laughs> Literally. Like, or someone saying, here's how I make my eggs. And I'm like, oh, save that. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm better in the morning now because I used to get up and look on my phone. And now oh I get God. up and I don't look at my phone at all. That's good. And I really try and get like the sun in my eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah, quick yeah. as possible. But you when it's winter, like that happens about 
half eleven. So imagine how much better you would be if you just slept, mate. I know, I know, I know. But you'd be better off watching telly. Just messing about on a phone, honestly. And the memes that you get, and the way that it feeds you these memes. Mm. So I've got, I get a lot of Indian street makers making a dosa. I'm like, yeah, look at this. (laughs) And then you start looking at it. It's like, oh my god, look at that dosa. Look at that. It's incredible. And I tell you, the other thing, this is probably going to give away some bad stuff about what's going on in my mind, but. Somehow, Facebook, which I don't look at that much, it feeds me pictures of crocodiles eating people. Weird. And just like violent crocodiles. Oh. And I swear on my life, I've never searched for like crocodile eating. That's your eldest daughter. She's like, what can I do today? Yes, crocodiles eating dads. But I think, yeah, it's it's true. That's why she'll go to prison. Because she'll set a crocodile on me. But I think Facebook knows. The algorithms know. If you click on it and you look at it, then it knows. It's like this dude wants Mm. to look at crocodiles eating dads. Do you know what I can't stop watching? And I've got into it. And Mish, my boyfriend, hates it. Is you know like a farrier who changes the the shoes on a horse. Okay, yeah. And they I don't know how I got into that, because again, I never searched shoe-changing horseman or whatever, yeah. And they take the horseshoe off and then they shave down the horse's hoof and it's like parmesan. Right. And it's like shaving off and they dig it all out and then I'm like, I can't sleep until I've seen a clean horse foot. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh God, that horse is fine. And I don't know how I got into that, but I love it. Wow, Ange. Mm. Liking this? Wow. Nice this and orange. That is really good. If only podcasts could do smell, mm, because smell. that's gorgeous. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm getting, getting coconut. Lime zest. Yeah. So yeah. come on, Ange, what is this? What so have we got have a coconut us? fish curry with scotch bonnet, and it's by Lorato Umar Shayla. And wow, that is good. That is unbelievable. Mm. Not unbelievable, it's believable, because it's... It's made by Angela. Dame Angela Hart. <laughs> How'd you keep that so soft? If I say it, you'll just go shut up. It, no, don't. Just me. don't overcook it. You know, it, that's why, you know, it's quite. Shut, shut up. up. <laughs> God, I thought you were done. <laughs> just cook it for a smaller time. I don't know what happened, but everyone's worried that they're going to kill themselves in their kitchen yeah. by undercooking food. Mm. People are like, do a bit longer, do a bit longer. Is it cooked? Is it cooked? Like, there's a panic, isn't there? Mm. With fish. Mm. How long are we cooking that for? That was five minutes. Five Max. minutes. Oh, I just got a pop of cardamom. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's quite an Indian flavour as well. Yeah, yeah I wow. love a little cardamom. moment. So, Ange, tell us about this recipe if anyone wants to do this. By the way, waitrose.com forward slash dish recipes. You marinate the fish before, right? So you've got your marinade first, which mm-hmm. is your coconut milk, your lime zest, your ginger, turmeric, seasoned up. Mm-hmm. That's the base. And you just um, get that and rub it all over the monkfish? No, that you marinate, mix that all together, leave that to one side. Then you make your base curry, which is toasting off all your spices, your fennel, your coriander, your cumin seeds. Separate them from your cardamom, but toast those off. And then your base curry is more coconut, tomato, onion, garlic, ginger, lime leaves. Mm. Blitz all that together. Then you let that simmer away, add back in the spices to it, and then you have the marinade for the fish. So they're sort of jointly working. One while the fish right. is marinating, the curry's working. Okay, nice. And then after that, you add your fish to your curry and cook it and finish it and serve. 
Okay, nice. And how long have we got to marinate that fish for? About an hour. You've used monkfish. Is that the best fish for it? Because it's a bit meaty. I prefer monkfish. The original recipe is hake, but I think okay. monkfish is better. Cause what it, would be a no-go? I wouldn't put salmon or something like mm -hmm. that. Trout. I wouldn't put sea bass or anything mm -hmm. like salt. No, I think monkfish and cod are probably the best and hake, best things for curry. Okay. Or prawns. Mm. You could do this with scollops as well, couldn't you? Mm. Yeah. yeah. This is a good January meal. I need some flavour in January, mm. do you know what I mean? No offence to my mum. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? You need some a bit spicy <laughs> cleansing of a January after it's... It's a gravy-heavy mm. month for me, yeah. December. We're going to pair this with the wine. The wine with it is a wine from New Zealand, perfect with a spiced curry, this wine. It's a Vonnier St. Clair Gimblet Gravels Reserve Vonnier. That is gorgeous. And we're doing this with an Ambra. Did you We've make got, this? No, I didn't make nah. this. Nah, come on. She ain't got time Where'd for you that. Get Where'd you get them? Waitrose? Waitrose, well, get yeah. Waitrose. Can you give me the intelligent chef's take on my scotch bonnet, which is such a big part of my life. It's mm. so amazing. Because it's in, it's the main flavor yeah. in jerk, mm. isn't it? Jerk chicken. Rather than some spice that's just harsh, there's a slight softness to it, I think, mm. that it makes it very smooth in your mouth when you get that heat as well. So that's why I like it. I like it. And I like it when it's dried. Mm. These are the sentences yeah. I was meant to produce when I was a restaurant critic. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Because I never knew you were a food critic. Yeah, neither did I, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I did it for about six and a half years, and it's one of those random things that came about, because I worked at a newspaper called The Independent, yep. and um, we didn't have a huge amount of staff, so there's quite a lot of jobs going around. It was Lisa Markwell, your editor. Of course. <laughs> she was So she was the editor of The Independent on Sunday when right. I was editor of The Daily Independent. Yeah. But she was the editor of The... Independent Food. or something, magazine. Yeah. Right, yeah. When someone else screwed up and she said, do you want to have a go? And Lisa, who's, we should say, is an amazing human Incredible. being. Incredible. Beyond journalism. She's yeah. been through a lot in her life, but she's also a fantastic journalist, was a really yeah. good editor and a big foodie. Yeah. And she said, do you want to have a go at this? And at the time, I was like, well, hang on. So I go and have a meal with my girlfriend and you pay. Yeah. Uh, and then I write about it. That sounds great. And at that time, I've got to say, I didn't have a huge amount of confidence because I didn't feel like I knew enough to do it and do it well. I had quite a good palate growing up, eating my mum's food, which is absolutely fantastic, and I thought really hard about it. And then I read a huge amount in a short space of time. Mm. But I do feel a little bit now, like, being a food critic, I would understand why proper chefs would hate us. <laughs> because I feel a little bit like, fundamentally, as a critic, even if you swat up, mm. even if you, like, know everything about it, yeah. you just don't appreciate the hours, the mm. effort, the sweat, yeah. the tears... And I sort of had this general rule that I tried not to be really horrible about independent restaurants. Yeah. And then I was once. And I just feel this enormous guilt because it's this restaurant in Cambridge and it was awful. There's mm. no two ways about it. It was absolutely it's dreadful. still around? And it's not still around. No. And I, I'm not saying I shut it, but I no. do know she, the, the owner sent me an email let me know that she was not very happy with what I'd written. Yeah. And I do know that just because of the way Google works, when you put in the name of that restaurant, my review was ahead of the restaurant. Right. And I feel awful about that. Yeah. I feel absolutely awful. I used to justify it by saying, well, it is easy to waste money as a family of four, so you yeah. do need critics to tell you what's good mm -hmm. and what's sure. not. But I basically think if you're a chef, these critics come along and you must think, oh, for God's sake, I've got to be nice to this person. Yeah. And what this random person writes could have quite a big influence mm -hmm. on mm. my career. Yeah. Having <laughs> gone through, And also having gone through all that pain to set up a business, you know, yeah. to get the bricks and mortar. How do you feel about critics? Well, I think Grace always says it right. She's, Grace Dent, yeah. Yeah, Grace, Grace Dent, because she, you know, does The Guardian. 
And she always says, at the end of the day, I've got a responsibility of people who are earning their hard-earned money mm. and they're going to spend 50 quid or these days probably 70, 80 someplace. You know, I want to give them the truth. And I think she does write it well. Yeah. She'll say stuff she doesn't like, but that's maybe just my taste. But if you're into that, you're going to, you know, I think she's fair. Mm -hmm. I think probably like Giles when, uh, you know, Adrian A.A. Gill was writing. There was so fantastic, much. by the way. They're fantastic oh, incredible, writers entertaining critics. writers. But as Giles says, you know, there's so many words. I can't just talk about the food the whole yeah, time. Yeah. So I do talk about other things and bring it all in. And I think Matthew Fort was always the one, but Jay Rayner will always disagree with him. Matthew will always come three months later. Yeah. He says restaurants can't open like that and mm -hmm. the chef be on point from day one. It just can't work. You know, even though a play, you expect that. The cinema, you expect mm -hmm. that. You know, you expect that a football match. And why do you think that is? What do you think it Well, takes? I think it's just because you're dealing with lots of different people and you need that energy of doing it once, twice, 15 mm -hmm. times to get everyone right. You know, I remember one of the first nights we opened Murano, we had four critics in on the same night. We only had 14 tables. Giles... Yeah. And then we had three other different nationals in. And it was the M25. We could not get the food out. Everyone was waiting. I comped five tables. I just went up to him and I said, I'm so sorry for waiting. Giles left after main course. And I thought, that's it. I'm going to get a really bad review. And it does matter what Giles caught. And, and it Giles does, a really, you know. He's a really thoughtful critic. Then I called him up. I said, you had a really rubbish time. Come back as my guest Saturday. And he goes, I've already booked. I'm coming anyway. And then he just sort of said, don't up this time. I went, Charles. Yeah, yeah. And he was really fair in the review. He said, I've been twice. The first time mm. the food was delicious, but it was so slow. They're struggling. That's you know. it's really hard in yeah. a restaurant, isn't it? And yeah. that was the thing, listening to, I mean, I've listened to a lot of episodes of this, but listening mm. to Gordon, Gordon Ramsay, I should say, is part of this series. Listening to the two of you, a bit like Nick came on um, the Today programme the other day and talking to him about when you and Annie Mack started out in yeah. Radio 1. Listening to you and Gordon talk about that early era where mm. you and Marcus Waring, another giant of the mm. trade, started out. The two things I thought about that, one was, God, it is awful being a chef. <laughs> <laughs> you know, God, it's, it's awful. It's, it's a crazy choice. Crazy <laughs> choice. Like, I mean, the <laughs> most antisocial hours. <laughs> yeah. The way you would just chuck out, it was, oh, six days a week. Six days a week. I mean, first of all, you can't have a family. So, yeah, yeah. And there's a really interesting thing about that, which is my other kind of big takeaway, is that I talk, I'm obsessed with social mobility and I do spend a lot of my life trying to help kids from poor backgrounds mm. get on in the world. And they quite often these days talk to me about work-life balance. Yeah. And I sort of want to say to them, the thing about work-life balance is you need to work really hard before you can have the balance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in your <laughs> 20s, you yeah. know, Nick was working ridiculous yeah. hours late at night. You were doing mm. the Radio 1 show mm. 10 till midnight, weren't you? Yeah. And you could do that when you're in your 20s. You can do mm. that. And then, you know, you would go out on a Saturday, yeah. meet your mates at 2 yeah. in the morning, whatever. And I just thought, God, you it's such a important thing if you're going to be professionally successful to meet the right group of people mm. in your 20s when working that hard can be fun and rewarding. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I think probably, I mean, you are obviously, you know, a cream of the crop. There's probably a lot of chefs around this country who work their nuts off and who just leave in their 30s yeah. broken, no, I can believe that. exhausted. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I feel for them. And I've got critic guilt. <laughs> critic I don't, guilt. I don't think yeah. I was ever unfair and I don't think I ever kind of... I can't imagine you being ever unfair. You I never know. know. You might have changed their life direction and made them go mm. into bigger and better yeah. things. I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to know when, you know, you're listening to the Today programme and I listen to it because I think... I don't know what's going on. Or if I have a busy few days, I like drop out of the news. And I'm like, wait, shit, what's happening? Imagine so, being a presenter, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you stay informed? Are you constantly, constantly consumed with world news? So you can't know about everything. You just can't yeah. know about everything that's going on in the world. And I should say, and I'm not 
just saying this to be nice. The caliber of the team on the Today mm. program, mm. these often, you know, people who are producers in their late 20s, early 30s, they sort up for you. The one thing you do have to do is take on a huge amount of information in a short space of time. Yeah. And you also find that you just do need to have a kind of background knowledge of what's going on. So if there's a terrible war in the Middle East, you know, you do need to have read for years about kind of the various things that have happened. So it's a little bit of both. And I think you do realize after a certain amount of time, that it's quite weird to just be constantly bombarded mm. by information. Mm. You know, I think if an alien came down to Earth and they saw what kids these days do with smartphones, and I know that yeah. makes you sound really old, but you just take in more information mm -hmm. every hour of every day than most humans took in over the course of a week. Yeah. And so it is a bit weird. You've got the radio on, you've got the TV on, you're scrolling on your phone. And it is kind of, it's quite exhausting. I really liked as well on the Today podcast, you and Nick just reminiscing about your first day on yeah. the podcast, yeah. that's which so was much, really nice. It just I made feel me. Like that's so much more conversational. Yeah. And I actually think it's tricky because with the Today program, it's so big mm -hmm. and it's yeah. so influential and it's such a powerful and important institution. And it's got a lot of older listeners who've listened from the days of Jack DeManio yeah, yeah, and been around for 50 years that you don't want to change it too much. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing, I mean, you guys know this better than anyone, but I think you've got to be yourself. Yeah. You've got to be, you know, I, you know, so with University Challenge, there's no point me trying to be like Jeremy Paxman because mm. I'm no. a very, very different yeah. personality. Mm. With the Today programme, there's no point me trying to be the famous John Humphreys yeah, yeah, or Nick yeah, Robinson. Sure. Well, I got a load of stick when I took over Chris Moyles. Because oh, he was a big figure, right? Yeah, yeah, he was a big figure and he was really loved and he did it for eight years. And I think when morning radio or anything with a schedule changes, yeah. people really feel the change yeah. because, you know, you have your routine. You're invested in it, yeah. And, yeah. you know, you know when you're in the shower or when you're at that traffic light. Mm. So I think any change... Even if we moved a feature on The Breakfast Show, yeah. you know, if we were like, actually, we're going to play that game in half an hour, people would go mm. nuts. So when it was a total change, and also Radio One's message at the time was, we don't want anyone over 30 to listen. So yeah. it was kind <laughs> of like, we're getting rid of like this like 38-year-old lad and replacing it with like a 27-year-old gay guy yeah. who like wants to play loads of hip-hop. Yeah, they were like, yeah. are you... <laughs> so I got quite a lot of stick then and I never really thought about it and I was just like well whatever but I think when you're young I was just like yeah. I don't really yeah. I'm not really bothered right, but then yeah. when I was writing my book and I looked back and I was like oh maybe it was really harsh Yeah, maybe I think it was hard I think that shows a lot of character because yeah. yeah. when you took over University Challenge because that's mm. like the same in terms of you know so loved and so set mm. in and even more so like set into British culture yeah. it is and it's only been three hosts yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's, that's bonkers there are people who yeah, there was a very famous guy called Bamba Gascoigne who was the, the first presenter. Yeah. And Bamba Gascoigne was the guy who presented University Challenge in the 60s when there were two channels. And so University Challenge, with its incredibly hard questions, was getting watched by 12 million people. Yeah. And people were obsessed with it. And to go from Bamba Gascoigne to Jeremy Paxman to me, I mean, first of all, that just feels surreal. Yeah. But also, I do, you know, I am conscious that, you know, if you've had Jeremy Paxman asking questions in your life for 29 years, mm -hmm. it's quite a big deal to have yeah. a change, especially yeah. someone who sort of looks different. 29 different. years. He did it for 29 years. It's mm. the longest running quiz. He did it for 29 years. So I felt I kind of wanted to be respectful to him and also when he spoke very publicly about it, but he's, he's got Parkinson's. Yeah, he's not and well, is he? He's yeah. not at all well. So you kind of, there was a sort of sensitivity about it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the way that I tried to handle that is, you know, I've had a lot of very difficult conversations through my uh, years in newspapers. I thought it was really important to ring him. 
I know a little bit because of a family connection to Parkinson's that quite often, not always the way, but quite often the morning is a good time to talk to people who've got yeah. Parkinson's. So I rang him up in the morning and I knew I wanted to deliver two really crisp messages. One was, thank you for handing over the show in such a great condition. And the other was, um, I'll try not to screw it up. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. he listened really intently. There was a little pause. And then he said, thank you for saying that. I really yeah. appreciate your calling. You were right to say it and to all the best. Mm. And that put me at ease, yeah, I have yeah. to say. Because yeah. that's a big, when you're yeah, getting handed yeah, the baton, yeah. you mm. want to do it with someone's blessing. Yeah. And I just kind of, yeah, that made everything a lot easier. Mm. And I haven't had too much stick, you know, people have been pretty nice mm. about it. Getting a lot of trouble for the size of my chair. Yeah, the chair, <laughs> there's a lot of chair chat. Also, the box gets yeah. some press as well. Yeah. That is a little I don't, I don't know if I love the finish on the box. Mm. <laughs> See, people like Nick. Yeah, but on Monday night, on Monday night, I love Monday night quiz on BBC yeah, Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I By love box, you mean, it. you mean the yeah. chimney shoot yes. as some people have christened yeah. it. Um, what can I tell you? All I'd say is there are active discussions which may change about the box, bringing back the question cards, and, and also the about chair. the size of my bloody yeah. chair. The bloody chair. Yeah. chair. Look, I didn't notice it was, well, apparently, yeah. apparently I look really small in the chair. Yeah. And I, I'm not that small. I mean, no, I'm not that small. like that sort of Ronnie Corbett, you know, in that big chair. Uh, thanks, Hans. <laughs> Thanks, Ange. Uh, no one had gone that far, actually, Angela. Thanks very much, actually. Ronnie Corbett actually was quite small. Oh, we love uh, But anyway, we are looking at the size of yeah. the bleeding chair. Right? <laughs> and we're in active discussions about the question cards, which may make a comeback. Okay. Oh, God. You heard it here first. Okay. Wow. If I watch University Challenge and I get, like, four... Yeah. I'm like, I have to like ring my mum. <laughs> or I get like three in 30 minutes. I'm like, like the reason, I know, but the reason people should give it a try is it is so satisfying when you get it's something yes. right. Oh, yeah. You're like, satisfying. I'm up there with oh, the my legends. IQ. Yes. So good. Yes. I always love it when you're like, right, the round of contemporary music. And I'm like, oh, yeah, and they're like, yeah, in me. 1880. I'm like, <laughs> con- <laughs> contemporary. Yeah, uh, what, I'm always yeah. like, oh, I was going to say Doja Cat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, we have come to our end of the show question. We are going to ask Amal, how well does he know University mm. Challenge? Okay. Oh my gosh. All right, here's a first start okay. for 10. Okay, for the goodie bag, here are your bonus questions. Can you name a former famous competitor who has acted in the Harry Potter franchise? Mm-hmm. Miriam Margulies? Yes! yes. <laughs> nice one. Yeah. One down, one down. Which one down, that's a third of the goodie bag secured. And she oh. was the first female to swear on national TV, on University Challenge. Was she? Yes. A habit she has not given up very yeah, easily. Yeah, no, no, exactly. And the way she says it was such relish as well. <laughs> okay, next it. up. Okay, for another <laughs> five points. Okay, next question. What was the highest score in this history of the show? And we'll give you 10 points either way. Okay, okay this is a trick question because they changed the way in which you score about, okay. about mm. halfway through the show's run. So in this round, mm. where it's been 10 points for start of five for... The highest bonus, score in I mean, history. basically, I have absolutely no idea. I'm going to guess something very high. I'm going to guess 390. 390, and who do you think scored it? Well, there was a brilliant series a few years ago with Eric Monkman and Bobby Seagull. Mm-hmm. You want the team? <laughs> well, just the uni, come on. 
Well, I, if it was Eric Monkman, that was Wolfson College in Cambridge. Okay. Or if it was Bobby Seagull, you could give me that. It was Emmanuel College in Cambridge. Okay. Um, is it completely wrong? Completely. Oh, no. Yeah. No, no. Come on. Was it, there was a really good Durham side about 15 years no, ago. Again, no, again. No, you're going too far Manchester, away. Manchester, no. Bath, no, Bristol, no, no, Leeds. Make the opposite no, no. of Cambridge. Oh, Am I going to lose was... out on the hamper? University College, Oxford, scored 520 points in the final ITV series in 1987. Where are they now? I don't yeah. know. Rich writing, <laughs> rich somewhere. Wow, okay, uh, okay third okay. and final question. What was the lowest score of any team oh, no. in the original or revived series? Again, we'll go ten points either way. I don't know the answer to this. I'm gonna like a really embarrassingly. What do you reckon's low? I should mm. know. This. I should know this because I, mean, I get like three on average, yeah. realistically. So if you were competing, you'd get so like I'd get three. Yeah. Okay, so say you got a starter and two bonuses. Okay, yeah. let's go really low. Let's go like. 40. Sussex University, 10 points. No. In 1971. Mm. That's dreadful. What was going on? 10? Yeah. Is that like a question? That's that's a starter, yeah. I mean, kind of impossible for you to know because you weren't born. Um, So wasn't watching that episode. Um, Anyway, we'll give him the goodie bag. Yeah. Yeah. Give him the goodie bag. Amal, that was really fun. I loved it. A round of applause, Amal Raj and everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. And that pina colada, I'll be saving this bit of pineapple yeah, as well. Yeah, enjoy. Oh. That is it for season four of Dish. We are going to take a short break so that Angela can put down the utensils and rinse her sieve <laughs> and get ready for season five. Marvellous. We will see you very, very soon. Details of all the delicious meals I've cooked on Dish can be found at waitrose.com slash dish recipes. All the links are in our show notes. We love reading your reviews, don't we, Ange? Ange? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Please keep them coming. And, you know, the bigger the better. Dish is an SE Creative Studio production. Waitrose. Food to feel good about.